0: Uh, so let's go ahead and look at our scripture reading in Ephesians, and then we'll also jump to Hebrews chapter 3 for one verse. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And if you want to go ahead and find both places, Ephesians 1, and then turn over to the right to Hebrews chapter If you don't have a Bible, bring it next time But if you don't have one at home, you can use one in the pew And you're welcome to take that home with you So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 And then Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 few more pages turn. Let me give you just a second. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll read the first 14 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. "...according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, that is Jesus, we have, uh, in him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will." might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. I will read just the first half of verse one. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may you deal bountiful with us today your servants might you feed your sheep god would you lead the words that i speak Would the indwelling of the spirit awaken my tongue and the ears of those who hear might christ be exalted in our hearts in this place and, as we leave today, might we know Christ more and what we have and are in him. For his sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, quickly, I want to give us a update on a recap on Hebrews one, And two, because we're already in three, we're moving along quite quickly. Today we're going to come to a screeching halt. Uh, I had not planned on that, uh, but the Lord had other plans this morning for us. So quickly, I want to look at a few highlights of one and two so we can continue on. And I, I mentioned as we started Hebrews that this isn't your typical epistle or letter in the New Testament. It's written more as a sermon and many think it is a sermon that was just written down. And so the sermon or the letter continues to build upon itself as it goes forward. So if you miss one and two, it's going to be hard to follow in three. And if you miss one, two and three, you're not going to really understand four and so on and so forth. So the encouragement come every week or if you can't and you've missed go and listen online and uh and hear what we've what we've gone through so we've been using the sunday evening to help us kind of get through this quickly as well so i think we've got about four sermons thus far into hebrews chapters one and two um so here here's a rough recap god has spoken past tense he said it already he's got nothing new to say he has spoken to us finally through his Son. No one else. God has spoken. God has, spe- has spoken through his Son. The Son whom he has spoken through is the creator of all things. He owns all things. He is the heir of all things. He sits on the throne. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He has come. To purify the world of sin. He loves righteousness perfectly. And he hates wickedness perfectly. He is the messenger of God. He is the son of God. He has brought a message of great salvation. And so finally it would be behoove you to listen to him to hear what he has said and obey him. If you fail to listen to the Son and to the message that he has given, Hebrews 2 tells us you are in grave danger. If you are calling yourself a Christian and you are not listening to the words of the Son, you are in danger of drifting away from him. And if you are to drift away from him, You are in grave danger. Listen to the Son. So Hebrews 2 kind of then gives us a little bit more of what that might mean of this great salvation that's listed at the beginning of Hebrews 2. What is this great salvation? What is it that he's proclaimed? Well, first and foremost... The son who is enthroned forever, who is the king of kings, who loves righteousness and hates wickedness. The son who holds everything with the power of his word, condescended, humiliated himself and became like you. He took on flesh. And we know him today as Jesus. And he came to take on flesh, to become like you in order to die that is his great message that he became like you in order to die in order to bring many sons to glory and we said that in hebrews 2 that as the son of glory left his glory came down in humiliation to taste death in order to rise and in order to raise you up to glory this is the great salvation. And he does this. Um, he does this by setting you apart. With the spirit of God. He does this by conquering uh, death. And the hold that death has over you. And he does this as your great helper and great high priest. One who stands before God on your behalf. Now. Now. We finished last Sunday night looking at who these sons of glory are, who God, is, who, who Jesus is bringing to the Father, whom he is saving. And we saw that he was named brother, that he was called the child of God. And we're going to pick up on this theme as we read or as we get into verse 1 of chapter 3. And as we get into verse 1 of chapter 3, three words I want you you're going to hear quite a bit and I want you to be thinking through and trying to connect the dots with. Number the first one is calling. I'm sorry, the first one is identity. Identity. The second is calling. And the third is source. Identity, calling, and source. So, just quickly so you We're not going in blind into this. Identity just means who you are. Calling means what you do. And the source is where your calling and identity originate. Where your calling and identity come from. Now, I'm going to give you sort of a a statement to hang on to as we go along here so hear me as I say this and understand that this this proclamation this first verse is I'm uh, uh, th- this word is going to you assuming you are Christian assuming you have not neglected the words of the Son assuming that you live by faith now if that's not you you still must pay much closer attention because the danger is the same for you but listen and i'm assuming i'm assuming your faith and i'm assuming that you are here a part of the body of christ and that's okay the word of god is given to you the body of christ Okay, so um, here's the statement. Now, listen carefully. In your new birth, Christian, you were given a new identity and a calling in Christ. Christian, that identity and calling radically transforms how you live. The source of this identity and calling is Christ, and in Him alone. And it is by that same source not only have you received your identity and your calling, but from that. And so when we, when I say source, think of like power source, right? Like a, a substation where, where where the where the energy comes from. The source. Not only does your identity and calling come from Christ, the source, not only do you receive it in that manner, you also keep it and continue in it by that source, by Christ. Your identity, your calling is confirmed or given, confirmed and continued to your last day by Jesus Christ and him alone. Okay, so that's. That's basically the the point of what we have to understand today. So let's begin. Like I said, what my goal was was to hit verses 1 through 6 this morning and then finish chapter 3 and also into chapter 4 uh, in the next sermon. But the Lord really stopped me on this identity and calling aspect of the first verse of chapter three, uh, it'll then you'll see the next time we gather together under the word and we look at the rest of chapter three. It's going actually going to be helpful for us to have an idea of what we're talking about in identity and calling. And well, you'll You'll see. OK, so let's look again at the first verse of chapter three. Keeping in mind, identity, who you are, calling, what you are to do, and the source of that identity and calling uh, in Christ. Okay, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling. You notice something, if you've been reading Hebrews, that the, the, the language is changing. The context is changing. He's been very descriptive for the last chapter, explaining things. Now he's changing that. He's, he's no longer explaining something to you, but now he is um, he's exhorting something to you, which means he's giving you counsel. So he says, here's what you need to know. And now here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to be. This is really, um, it's a, it's a, a typical pattern in the New Testament epistles of teaching you something. And what do you always say, like when you're in school? Why am I learning this? This doesn't mean I'm not going to use this at all. This doesn't mean anything. Well, that's exactly the opposite of the New te- uh, of Scripture in itself. You learn something in Scripture because it is greatly beneficial for your life for how you live and who you are all right so understand he's changing directions to counsel you to exhort you into something all right so so he, he he's directly addressing you what does he call you holy brothers or holy brothers and sisters Christian this is who you are a holy brother a holy sister well, what does that mean to be a brother or a sister so let's let's put aside the word holy for a minute and let's just think about the word brother And if you're a woman, you can just switch it out and think of it as sister. We greatly underestimate what it means to be called a brother. And that's I'll I'll use that term brother because that's how it is in the passage. So instead of going back and forth, we greatly underestimate what it means to be called a brother. Because what does it mean when you're called a brother in Scripture? It means that you are a child of God. Now, just like all the other language we use in Christian culture, it can become so vanilla. It can become so plain and unhelpful. Child of God, child of God, child of God. There are some songs that come on the radio that it makes me, like, they say child of God so many times in so many ways that it makes me sick to hear it. But we have to come back to the scripture and say, what does the Bible mean when it says we are a child of God? Okay, what does that mean? We touched on it last Sunday night. As we were working our way through chapter two, when we were wanting to know who the sons of glory or who who the sons are that are being brought unto glory by Jesus. Um, look back up in, in, in chapter two, starting in 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom by or for whom and by whom all things exist, In bringing many sons to glory, that's you, Christian, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So he spends the first verse talking about Jesus, and then he 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 transfers and, and, and starts talking also about the sons of glory, the sons that are being brought into glory, what we would ultimately call them brothers. Look what he says in 11. For he who sanctifies Jesus, that's Jesus... And those who are sanctified, the sons, the brothers and sisters, all have one source. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. There it is. So, we already have established the term brother, the title brother, the identity brother. But Jesus connects the fact that you can be called a brother or sister because of your connection with Christ. And we mentioned that that connection that you share with Christ, believer, is that he shares flesh and blood with you. He didn't, but he he was spirit as the son and then humiliated himself and came condescended, left the glories of the father and became like you in order to save you. And so he shared the flesh and blood that you have. But I don't think that's really the connection we have as brothers, even though it is very important. But what makes us brothers or sisters to Christ? It's not that we necessarily share flesh with him. If we just shared flesh with him, we could never be his bro- brother. But we share his spirit we share in his spirit in being born again and in the new birth we then become a brother to jesus um and this is why he's not this is why it says in verse 11 this is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers and then he gives a list of old testament passages To emphasize this, he says, I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. That's from Psalm 22. And again, in verse 13, he says, I will put my trust in them. And again, behold, I, the son and the children God has given me. You are a brother to Christ because you were a child of God. Now, we many of us take priority not priority take pride in our name what we we are a whoever our family name is whatever and we take pride in that and we tr- we teach our t- children to act in a way that they hold up and show respect and people will honor the name that they have if No, no, I'm sorry. You, as a Christian, have the name of God. You have been brought into the family of God, which is far greater than any name that you bear upon this earth, that you have been given by your father, this earthly father. The name that you have been given from your heavenly father dwarfs all other names that you might call yourself. You share the name of God as a child of God. That is why Christ is not afraid to call you brother. Uh, Now let me. I want us to see something here. I want to try to do this quickly. We touched on it last week, but I want to help us understand this again for this for this one reason I, I we magnify before us the identity of being a brother in Christ, of being a child of God. If that puffs you up, you are wrong. Because you have not gone and earned that name. You have not gone out and said, God, you must look how well I'm doing. Therefore, badge me with honor as your child. If you notice at the end of 13, he says, behold, I, the son and the children God has given me. I want you to understand that you are a child of God because of God's love and grace has been upon you, not only since your new birth, not only since your physical birth, not only since before your parents were born, or not only since the beginning of time, but before the beginning of time, you, child of God, God knew your name. And he loved you. Before light was created, child of God, he loved you. And you said, well, I haven't done anything yet. And you say, well, it's probably a good thing. Because if we knew how you were going to behave, you wouldn't be very lovable. But in reality, he did know how you would behave. He did know that you would rebel against him as God an enemy. He did know that you would choose yourself over him each and every day of your life. But yet, child of God, Christian, he loved you before he said, "Let there be light." And he gave you over to the sun so that the sun could wipe away your rebellion, could pay for your sin could pay for your self-righteousness. The Father and the Son, before the world ever began, they were in agreement that the Father loved His children and that the Son would suffer in order that He might bring them to Himself. Now, I had tons of passages to go through, but for the sake of time, we're not going to go through it. I read Ephesians 1 that outlines all of this. And so we're going to skip the other ones that I said, and I want to go back to Ephesians 1, and I want to just point out a few things. And also for the sake of time, I'll go ahead and turn there, and that way we're all ready to go. I'm going to start morphing uh, the second part of this identity as we look at the rest of this. So as we look at Ephesians 1 here and we think about how how God made us children of God, I also want you to understand the first part of that identity that we missed in Hebrews 3, holy brother, holy sister. I haven't talked much about the holy part, but I want us to start seeing that. Okay? So two things really quick before we read Hebrews 1 or I'm sorry, Ephesians 1 holy for simplicity's sake we're going to define as set apart okay set apart S- uh, meaning set apart from the others now how set apart is god he's set apart set apart set apart right holy 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 okay that's there is none like him now before we read Ephesians 1 Read Ephesians 2, verse 1. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. This is the part I was just discussing. And you were dead in the trespasses trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You followed the course of the world. You followed the prince of the power of the air. You followed the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. But yet. But yet. God knew you. And had given you over. The Son. Look at verse 3 of chapter 1. So, as we think about God's holiness, our wickedness, and then Him coming, and we think about Him bringing us into the family of God, I should say. You being made a brother. Or a sister. You cannot come into the family of God. Into the holy family of God. Apart from being made holy yourself. Listen. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the language. Father. Family. Family and who Christ is the son who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places for even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy we should be what? holy and blameless before him if you identify as a child of God but yet you live a life that shows that you leave out Holiness. We just remove the child of God. You cannot be a brother. If you're not a holy brother. You cannot be a sister. If you are not a holy sister. Because his intention for you. Christian. Before he laid the foundation of the world. Was to save you in order to present you holy and blameless but it gets even better verse five in love he predestined us for adoption for adoption to himself as sons through jesus christ do you know what it means to be adopted into a family it means at one point you were not a part of that family but in the kindness and love of that family to bring you in and to even use a, to even think of it on human terms does not do it sufficiently Because we are being brought into a holy family with God as the Father. But here's the source. The only way to enter in the family of God, this holy family of God, is through the source of Jesus Christ. Where you are covered. You enter in the family covered by the blood and righteousness of Christ this is who you are, Christian. Someone who was outside. You were not. But God has brought you in. To present you as his son is. Are you even close? To that standard. But yet, he looks upon you as his child because of the blood of christ that covers you this is who you are this is your identity holy brothers i want you to go and read look at the source verse 7 in him we have redemption through the blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to what the riches of god's grace And as a child of God, this is the last thing I'm going to say on the identity. We've got to move forward. As a child of God, holy brother, holy sister, you have something that should that should mark you out. You know we 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 think a lot about uh, we think a lot about. Uh, uh, End times as the world around us is going crazy, and we're like, oh, you think about topics like the mark of the beast, who's the antichrist, and we're and we're like the mark of the beast is gonna it's gonna it's gonna define who is Christ and who isn't. I'm gonna tell you, there's already something that does that right now, and it's the Spirit of God. It is the mark, the identifier that says he, she is a child of God. And we, you know, we're like, okay, the the mark of the beast is going to be on the head and the hands. Well, you're like the spirit of God. It's not visible. Well, it is through your words and your deeds and your love. It's called the fruit of the spirit, people that is the mark the seal see when we talk about seal in in, as far as the spirit goes in the new testament we're not talking about a ziploc bag we're talking about a mark that stamps you out that identifies who you are and i want to plead for you i want you to think right now do people see that mark on you and I don't, want to, I don't want you to answer that and be like, yeah, people think I'm a good person. No, I want people to look at you and see your actions and deeds, see the words you speak and say, he belongs to Christ. She belongs to Christ. That is their identity and I can't help but see it. I'm getting tired of seeing it. Our identity is as holy brothers and sisters, children of God, set apart for the sake of God, by the Spirit of God, for the glory of God. This is who we are. Now, we're, now we've got to move into this calling. We've got to move into this calling, because, and we can move so easily into the idea of a calling, if you go back to Hebrews 3, because they're so the identity and the calling are so intertwined, it's hardly impossible to separate them. Look at verse 1 again. Therefore, holy brothers, he's giving you the benefit of the doubt and saying you understand, you know, you find your identity in Christ. Holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling. What are we talking about? A calling. Well, here, I want to give a simple definition of calling. And I've, I've said it once, I'll say it again. It is what you are doing. It is what you are doing. If we've not picked up on this, who you are, your identity, and what you do, your calling, they cannot be separated. Here's an example. You sit in a cab of a truck, and you drive it down the road most days of your life. And you're hauling stuff in a trailer behind you and you're driving that truck that's your what you're doing so what are we going to identify you as a truck driver do you understand what you do your calling cannot be separated from your identity it is who you are what you do is who you are And that's why he puts these two things so closely together. So. Here's what I want us to understand. We're going to keep this simple. Let's look at first John. To help us see and understand how identity and calling go together. First John. And here's the fundamental flaw that we have these, this, these days, especially in our neck of the woods, is that we love the identity... But we don't care much for the calling. We like to identify with Jesus by name. But we don't really like what he actually wants us to do. And let me tell you what that is. That's superstition. Meaning, you're thinking that you can say, you, I'm not, whoever... Jesus, 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 and that's going to keep you from hell, hell, hell. That's superstition. That's not Christianity. You're thinking, if I come to church, this is our culture that we live in. That if I do get baptized, if I do these things, then something, poof, is going to happen. That's not Christianity. Christianity is an identity. It is a remake of who you are and a change of what you want to do and what you want to be. Look at 1 John. Um, I'm trying to edit here as we go along. Let's go ahead and just turn to chapter two, the end of chapter two, the end of chapter two, verse twenty nine. If you know that he, Jesus, is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness, there's the calling, there's the doing right. Practicing righteousness, this is what you do. Everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him, child of God. Identity, born of God, calling, practicing righteousness. Keep going. Um, Go down. Yeah, let's just keep going. See what kind of love the Father. And you'll notice this. Family, This family language. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. See, it's love because it's something that we have not earned. And so we are. We're what? We're children of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. There's that holy aspect, that separating aspect. You only know. You can only be known I'm sorry. You can only be known as Christ if you or as a Christian is if you know Christ. That was tough to get out. My apologies. Verse 2. Beloved, do you say that to strangers or do you say that to your family? You call your family your loved ones, right? Beloved, we are God's children now. Your identity and what we will be has not yet appeared. Oh, here's your future identity. Or something we're waiting on. Some, it's going to get better. But we know that when He appears, the source, we shall be like Him. There is the even better identity. We will be like Christ. Because we shall see Him as He is. If you grabbed... Uh, if you like, got real close at a substation and touched things you weren't supposed to touch, you'd feel that power, right? When we stand before Christ, that source, that power, is going to transform us. Now here, that's the identity. Here's, here's the calling, what we do. And everyone who thus hopes in that, What's he do? Purifies himself as he is pure. You say, we say, we are Christians. And that means we're awaiting that day we see Christ. Do you do you want to see Christ? And the day that you see Christ, you'll be made like him. Does that not sound good? And if that sounds good, and you're waiting for that... This is very clear that your calling is to purify yourself now. Now. Take it seriously because he has saved you to make you holy and blameless. You I hope that's why you think you were saved, to be made holy and blameless, not so that you could just get to heaven. I was read through the rest of it because it gets even better. As far as identifying or seeing identity and calling who you are. Therefore, what you do look at four. everyone who makes a practice, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. So we're talking about doing sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. If you are in Him, your identity, you do not keep on sinning. And I don't mean you're perfect. I mean you desire and strive to not sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or knows Him. If you are still in a life of sin... You don't have an identity in Christ. You are in grave danger. And that's why this book of Hebrews says, Beware. Do not drift. Do not neglect. Do not. Little children. Verse 7. Let no one be deceived. Whoever practices righteousness is... uh, Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. The identity of righteous, the calling, the do, the act of righteous, doing righteousness. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Yikes! If your if your actions in your life look like a practice of sin, your identity is of the devil the reason the son of god appeared was to destroy the works of the devil no one born of god makes a practice of sinning no one born of god makes a practice of sinning he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Okay, that's that's my sermon in a nutshell. What you do verifies who you are. Who you are is going to show what you do. I got to read. I, I've not – I wasn't planning on doing this. Um, I got to find this right verse. Hang on. Verse sixteen of chapter three there in first John. I, I'm if at this moment you might be concerned that your father is the devil and not God, verse sixteen is good news for you. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. Now look at verse 10 of chapter 4. You're sitting here today and you're like, I don't love God. I know my life represents the practice of sin and unrighteousness. Verse 10 of chapter 4. In this is love, not that we have loved God, the The prerequisite for identity as a child of God isn't your love for God. It cannot be. Because you cannot love God apart from him first loving you. In in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. That means, that big word there, it means that he sent his son so that he could crush his son for your behalf. For your rebellion, for your sin, for your unrighteousness, for your practice of sinning and your life of sin. And in that, he calls you to be a child of God, to fall upon Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Be identified as a child of God, not as a child of Satan. And then therefore, go and do and be who he has called you to be, a son and a daughter of God Most High. This is our identity to be found in Christ. This is our calling to pursue Christ. And this is three things. To imitate is our calling. Three things that are our calling. To imitate Christ To exalt Christ. I think I'm getting this wrong. Hang on. <laughs> to imitate Christ, to live for his glory, and to reflect his glory. That is your calling, Christian. To imitate Him, to glorify Him, and to make others see that glory. That is your calling. Now, let's just stop. if you're unsure about your identity if today the lord has made you realize that you're you are not living for this heavenly calling and you are not identified as a brother a holy brother i want you to know this as christ called lazarus out of the tomb he can bring you from death to life and here's the thing he's still calling people out of the grave Do not miss, do not neglect this great salvation. But heed his word, believe in his name, his work, turn to Christ on the cross and be saved from the wrath and judgment of God. And you might be like, I did that like years ago. Well, swallow your pride. And, and it, it, if the Lord is pressing upon you that you are not a son of or daughter of God. Then fall upon your face. And ask for forgiveness. And cry out unto him. And do not delay. Do not forsake. But come to him. Come to him and tell him. Of your, righteous, uh, un, of your unrighteousness. Of your wickedness. And it will be forgiven. Come and find Christ. And be baptized into him. Now for all of us. Who are taking up this call. I want you to. Armor up. I need you to put on the armor of God. And I need you to take serious the heavenly calling that is before us. And realize that it touches every aspect of your life, Christian. Christian. There is not a place. You do not come to church and say, I need Jesus on Sunday morning so I can go and do the rest of the things that I do on the week. All of Christ for all of life. You understand? His glory is before us. So let's imitate Him, glorify Him, and let his glory be made known. And how? Let's proclaim the, excellence, the excellencies of Christ to a dying world. That is our calling. Let me pray. Our Lord God, may you make known to each and every person in here their true identity. Would your spirit overcome them? One, to give them joy and know that they are found in Christ. Or or perhaps to bring them pain and sorrow and mourning to know that they are a rebel to you and an offense to Christ. But God reveal to them and make known the joy that comes from believing and falling upon the crucified Lord. Bring your spirit upon us to understand and then press us forward, Lord, to do your will, to follow our calling, to strive, to press forward. To that day for when we'll see our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.